Well, welcome to the Miami Church Podcast. My name is Greg, and I am so glad that you are listening right now. Listen, man, life is hard, but we are here to help you. And so I hope you enjoyed today's message. And man, our, our, our real prayer and our real hope is that, that the message today will help you take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. If you have been around Miami Church for any length of time, you realize there is one thing. I mean, there's one thing we celebrate. We go all in on, we talk about all the time, baptism. I mean, why? Why do we talk about baptism all the time? Why do we celebrate baptism like crazy? Why is this such a big deal? See, my experience being a pastor for a long time, I'm getting old, there's a lot of confusion and misunderstanding around the idea of baptism. And if you're new, if you're exploring faith, I mean, the whole idea of baptism, it just seems odd and strange. I mean, a person goes into the water and then you take them and you put them under the water and they come up wet and then people are like clapping and cheering and going crazy and you're like, what? What is that? And if you are familiar with baptism, it can still be confusing because depending on your background, depending on your experience, depending on your faith tradition, there there are all these different practices and there are these different ways in different churches, in different faith traditions. They do it different ways and it's just confusing. And so today, for a few minutes, I want to talk about baptism. And my simple goal is is to be clear, to to give clarity, to be as clear and as direct and as simple as I can be. And as always, our source for this is is Jesus, the the life, the ministry, the teachings of Jesus. See, we we pull our source from the New Testament, these letters that were written to the early church, and then we look at the early church, the first church in in the first century. What did they do and why did they do it. See, here at Miami Church, what we believe or, or how we practice baptism, it's not based on tradition. It's not based on my childhood experience or my personal preference. But we try to just simply base it on Jesus, his life, his ministry, his teaching. We try to simply base it on the teachings of the New Testament, the teachings and the practice of the early church, the first church in the first century. Now, Here's where we got to start, okay? So, so stay with me here. But this is where we have to start when we talk about baptism, and it's this word, gospel. See, gospel, it just simply means good news. And, and we've been in this conversation, this series we're calling Starting Point, talking about the idea of faith, your faith, my faith. And last week, if you missed last week, you, you got to see, because this is kind of part two of last week, we talked about the idea of grace, grace. This word is at the epicenter of the teachings of Jesus. It's at the epicenter of the New Testament. It's at the epicenter of the movement we now call the church. And this word grace, it drives everything as it relates to the idea of following Jesus or becoming a follower of Jesus. I mean, grace. 
It's the simple idea that there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. Grace. The very idea of grace, it's unconditional. It's undeserved. Grace, it's this idea that love is seeking you out even when you have nothing to give in return. Grace is love coming at you, God coming at you, Jesus coming at you. Grace is, I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. It's not me. And last week, part six, we looked at this powerful passage. It's a letter from a guy named Paul who became the Apostle Paul from a Roman prison at the end of his life in about 65 AD. And he's writing to the church, and it's in Ephesians 2. And we looked at 1 through 10, but let's look at verse 8. Paul wrote, God's grace has saved you because how? Of your faith in Jesus. Your salvation doesn't come from anything you do. It's God's gift. And he's saying grace, God's grace. He's saying you're saved. You are restored. You are reconciled. You are connected or or unseparated from God. How? Paul says faith. It's this idea of belief, of Trust in, faith in Jesus. And you, when you put your faith in Jesus or you put your trust in Jesus, the Apostle Paul is is really clear. Again, my goal today is is to be clear. It's not anything you have done. It's not anything you can do. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. It's not get a check mark. It's, It's not attend this or jump through this hoop. No, no. Paul says no. Rather, it's a, what? Gift. It's a gift freely given to you. And salvation, right? Connection, restoration, reconciliation, connection to God. Paul says, look, verse 9, it's not based on anything you've done. No one can brag about earning it. It's It's not based, it's not contingent, it's not the result of anything you have done or anything you can do. I mean, is that clear? I feel like Paul is laying it out pretty clear. You can't earn it. It's not work for it. It's not do better. It's not do more good. It's not you. It's not me. You can't brag. I can't brag. And then Paul continues, verse 10. He says this. We are God's creation. He created us to belong to Christ Jesus. Now we can do good works. Long ago, God prepared these works for you to do. So you see the shift? You see the transition? And this this is important. And this is where you can get confused. And this is where we can miss it, right? First, how does God see you? Right? Like, I see you or others see you or you look in the mirror and you see yourself. but, But Paul is saying, hey, Hey, what matters, what really matters is God's view, like how God sees you. And he lays it out pretty clear. He says, you're God's creation. You're a masterpiece. You're one of a kind. You're a once in history opportunity. And you are loved and you are accepted and you are shaped and formed by God himself. And and if you don't feel loved, if you don't feel accepted, friends, if, if you don't hear anything else I say today, you are a masterpiece. 
And Paul says, you were created to belong to Jesus. You were created by God, his masterpiece, to belong to Jesus. Now here's the theology here, right? God created you. He died for you. But he doesn't impose himself on you. And many, and maybe most, either reject or ignore or, or don't accept or don't receive him. Don't receive Jesus and his love. And Paul says, he created you. You were created to belong to him. How? Through faith, through trust, through belief in. And then there's a shift, right? Notice what he says, verse 10. He says, as a result of or because of or in response to, look what he says, we are God's creation, right? We, we're masterpiece. We're created to belong to Jesus. Then look at the word now. Now we can do good works. Now we can do good works, which, oh, by the way, God prepared for you to do long ago, before you were even born, like before you were even in your mother's womb. God prepared. He knew about you in advance. Now, the sequence here, the order, it's important. It, it's critical. You, you have to see how, how Paul is writing. He's saying, hey, you're God's creation. You, you are God's creation. You are a masterpiece. You were created to belong to Jesus. You were created to be connected to Jesus. How? Through faith and faith alone. And the result is because you are God's creation, be, be, because you, you have, have faith in Jesus, right? He says that then you have talents and you have gifts and you have personalities that you've been shaped by God and you have these, these God-given abilities. You have these God-given talents. You have these God-given uh, uh, gifts and you have experiences and you have all of this personality. And, and because you belong to Jesus and have discovered a relationship with him, then, now, the word he uses, you can serve and give and help and do great things and good works to help others and to help build his church. It's a result of. So let me try to just summarize this, right? You are accepted. You are loved. You are chosen by God right now, as is, this very moment. And you receive God's gift, right? You receive his love. You receive his, his unseparation. How? By faith. By trusting in him. Okay? Stay with me here because here's the shift. Throughout the New Testament, throughout the Gospels, the four accounts of the life of Jesus, if you look closely, what does Jesus respond to? Like when you see Jesus like respond, what does he respond to? He responds to faith. Let me give you some examples. Matthew 9, 2. Some men brought a man who could not walk. He was lying on a mat. Jesus saw that they had faith. So he said to him, don't lose hope, son. Your sins are forgiven. Mark 10, 52. Go, said Jesus, your what? Faith has healed you. And right away, he could see and he followed Jesus along the road. Matthew 9, 22. Jesus turned. He saw her. Dear woman, don't give up hope. He said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. Matthew 15, 28. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have what? Great faith. You will be given what you are asking for. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Luke 17, 19. Then Jesus said to him, get up and go. Your faith has healed you. See, what's clear 
through the Gospels, through the accounts of the life, is Jesus responds to faith. Okay, so now we're going back to baptism because there's confusion around the idea of baptism. There's confusion sometimes around the idea of faith. I mean, is, is it done or do I got to do something? I mean, is it, is it faith or is it actions? I mean, is, G, is it Jesus and Jesus alone or do I have to do something? Like, what is my response? Faith. Let me try to be clear as I can be. Faith is what I believe, but it's shown by what I do. See, the action demonstrates the faith. Like the action shows faith. I have faith, but it is demonstrated by the action. Let me try to illustrate this from an encounter from the first church recorded in the book of Acts. Uh, Philip, who is one of the leaders in the early church, you can see that in Acts 6, Here's what happened, Acts chapter 8. This is a really cool story. Acts 8, 26. It says, The angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road to the desert, and there that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Okay, so here's Philip. So he starts out, and on his way he meets an Ethiopian eunuch who's an important official in charge of the treasury of the queen of the Ethiopians. And so here's Philip, okay? He's a leader in the early church. He's a follower of Jesus. He's obviously dialed in to the voice of God. And so he hears the voice of God, and he's being teed up for this God-orchestrated encounter with this Ethiopian official, who, by the way, is a big deal. He's the treasurer of the queen of Ethiopia, modern-day Sudan. So Luke says, this man has gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he's on his way home, and he's sitting in his chair, and he's reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Okay, now the book of Isaiah is an Old Testament book of prophecy. In fact, some of you ever tried to read the book of Isaiah, it's, it can be very difficult. In fact, I remember when I was in seminary, I had a graduate level class on the book of Isaiah, Dr. Klein, and I remember uh, at the end of the class, my brain always seemed to hurt, right? So here's this guy, he's in the chair, he's reading Isaiah, and he's reading it out loud as was the practice. Verse 29, it says, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Verse 30, Philip ran up to the chariot. He heard the man reading Isaiah, and he goes, do you understand what you were reading? Now, this is interesting to me for, for multiple reasons. First, running, right? He's like, run up to this. I picture him running like, <laughs> he's trying to catch his breath. But then look at his question. Do you understand what you're reading? And I can just imagine the look on this guy's face like, like no. Have you ever read Isaiah the prophet? Of course I don't understand what I'm reading. Look at verse 31. How can I? Unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up into the chariot and to sit with him. This is the passage of scripture that was reading. So Luke tells us this is from Isaiah. He was like a sheep. He was, like, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and a lamb before it shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak for his descendants for his life was taken from him. And that's a passage from Isaiah chapter 53. It's actually a prophecy about the coming of Jesus. And it was actually written 700 years before Jesus actually came. And the eunuch asked Philip, verse 4, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And I love this, my favorite part, verse 35. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him what? The good news about Jesus. See, this is fascinating because Philip had a personal connection 
with Jesus. And what's important to know is Acts, the book of Acts that we now have in our Bible, it was written by a guy named Luke, and Luke was actually a Greek doctor who did this thorough examination of the story of Jesus. He interviewed all these eyewitnesses, and he wrote it down. It was a firsthand account, and Philip is part of the story. So when Philip is telling about Jesus, it's not like a a fairy tale. It's not like long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's like, no, no, a few months ago, down the street, around the corner from where I live, there was a guy named Jesus, and he claimed to be the Messiah, the Son of God, but they killed him and they put him on a cross. But let me tell you, when it got really real, they put him in a tomb and they put a big stone on it. But then three days later, he rose from the dead, and I know because we saw him. My friends saw him. In fact, hundreds of people saw him. We we saw him. We touched him. We ate with him. In the life and the ministry, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, it wasn't a story or fairy tale. It was real to Philip. And he knew and he believed that Jesus was, in fact, who he claimed to be, the, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And here's the good news. He's sharing this in this chariot with this Ethiopian official. And he says, hey, Jesus came to make a way for you and for me to be in a relationship with God. And he's alive. And this is good news. And it's still good news for you and me today. Look what happens. Verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came in some, uh, to some water. And the, the official said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And so he gave orders to stop the chariot. And both Philip and the, and the uh, Ethiopian went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. See, faith always has action. See, he, he received through faith, but he would, it was shown through baptism. Philip shares the good news of Jesus. He believes. He receives. How? By faith. He puts his faith and trust in Jesus. Then his response or his action is, look, water. Let's go. Receive through faith, demonstrate or show through baptism. Let me just try to get, again, I'm trying to get as clear as I can. What is baptism? Baptism is an outward physical step paired with the internal step of saying yes to Jesus. Baptism is that first step. Baptism is that initial and immediate step of obedience, of declaring your faith in Jesus to others. It's also very visual. I mean, look at, think about it. Baptism is this picture. It's this visual image, an, uh, an outward expression of what is happening on the inside, right? Like you think about baptism. When you're baptized, right, you're lowered under the water. It's called immersion. The actual word uh, means to immerse. And when you're lowered under the water, immersed, you're completely covered, and then you come up out of the water. And it's this beautiful image of identifying with the death burial, and resurrection of Jesus. This picture of dying to your old self and being raised to new life in Jesus. This is outward physical step paired with the internal step of making Jesus the leader of your life. It's a demonstration of your faith. Romans 6, 4, Paul wrote this. For we died and were buried with Jesus, how? By baptism. And just as Jesus was raised from the dead uh, by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new life lives. You see the picture? The death, burial under the water, and the resurrection. Now, some common questions. Like, well, why do some churches sprinkle? 
And the honest answer is, I don't fully know. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the teachings of Jesus. It's not a practice in the early church. It's a tradition that was actually started 1,300 years later. Uh, but here at Miami Church, we, we immerse. We, we, we go under the water. Why? Because we believe that's the practice that we see in the life of Jesus, the practice that we see in the New Testament. I mean, Philip in the Ethiopian, he says he went down into the water. Another common question we get a lot is, at what age should someone be baptized? Go back to Ephesians 2, right? God's grace has saved you how? Because of your faith, right? It's not anything you do. It's a gift by your faith. So the answer would be, well, when are you old enough to recognize your sin? When are you old enough to recognize you are separated from God and to have faith, to put your trust in, to understand? When are you old enough to understand? In fact, Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, change your hearts and lives and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus, right? Change her. See the sequence here? The or it's critical. He's, what does Peter say? Peter says, look, he says, change your hearts. Change your lives. What, what's he talking about? He says, hey, put your faith in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Then be baptized. See, first it's, it's belief. It's trusting. It's, it's, it's declaring Jesus the leader of your life. Then the action or the demonstration, then the, the result of the response to is baptism. The order matters. I mean, at what age should someone be baptized? Now, at this point, one of the most common or frequent questions that I get is, is around the idea of, of infant baptism. I mean, why should I get baptized? I was baptized as a baby. And that's a great question, and I always try to answer this question with, with so much grace and humility. Really, that tries to be the tone and spirit of our church. But let me just say a few things about infant baptism. First of all, faith and trust is a prerequisite in the Bible for baptism. Being old enough to make your own decision, to say yes to Jesus, to accept or reject Jesus. Secondly, infant baptism is not found anywhere in, in the New Testament or in the teachings of Jesus in the, in the first church. And I want to be sensitive here because I know many of you were baptized as an infant or you, were bapti or you baptized a child or a grandchild as an infant. And I don't want in any way to demean anyone for baptizing their baby because it's been used with honorable intentions by parents and grandparents to, to dedicate their baby or a promise to raise their child toward Jesus. And I believe if you were baptized as an infant by your parents, that baptism after belief, after faith, when you're older, is really an affirmation of that prayer. And so here at Miami Church, we baptize those who are old enough to believe. We do it by immersion. Why? Because we believe it aligns with the teachings of Jesus, the New Testament, and the practices of the first church. So, Greg, how do I know I'm ready? I mean, I mean... How much do I need to know? Or uh, don't, I, don't I need to have all my questions and answers? Or don't I need to clean up my life? And this simple answer is no. The, it's the first step. The first step to following Jesus is baptism. When you're ready to put your faith in Jesus, when you're ready to put your trust in Jesus, what we always say is the first step. The first action to demonstrate your faith is baptism. 
I mean, think about Acts 8, Philip and the Ethiopian. He didn't have time to answer all his questions. He didn't have time to understand. He didn't have time to go home and get all his life in order. No, it was the first step. It was the beginning of the journey. Look, Acts 8, 36. This is while they're traveling down the road, they came. The official said, look, here's water. What is stopping me from being baptized? And maybe that's my question to you. What is stopping you from being baptized? What is it? What is stopping you from putting your faith and your trust in Jesus and being baptized? Listen, life is hard. We are here to help, and we would love to, to pray for you. We would love to talk to you. Any way we can come alongside of you and pray for you on this journey because our goal is to help you find and follow Jesus. God created you. You are his masterpiece, and you were created, whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you've experienced it, you were created to belong to Jesus, and that is by faith and trust in him. And once you have the first step, it is to be baptized, to identify with Jesus, to go public with your faith. And we would love to help you. In fact, we've got a baptism celebration coming up uh, in November, on Saturday, November the 13th. And, and you can, can send us a message at hello at miamichurch.com. You can stop by Connect Point here on a Sunday. We, we would love to talk to you about being part of the celebration. November, Saturday, November the 13th, baptism celebration. We would love to. Can I just pray for you? God, I thank you for every person that's listening to my voice right now, whether it's on a podcast, whether it's on a video, whether it's on YouTube. God, it doesn't matter, but, but God, right now, I pray wherever they are that you would just speak to them, God, and they would just know that you're pursuing them and this idea of grace, that you created them and you love them. And God, there's, there's nothing they could do to earn your love. There's nothing they could do to lose your love. You're pursuing them because you love them. But now, God, you're you're saying, hey, believe in me, trust in me by faith, and then take the first step, demonstrate it, show action toward it. Put your faith into practice by the first step of baptism. And so my prayer right now is if, if, you're just, if you're holding back, if you're on the fence, if you're unsure, that you would just take that step in faith because I can't wait to, to help you along the journey of finding and following Jesus. God, thank you for Jesus and that through him we can have life in him. And I love you now and I pray this in his name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. We would love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us on our social media channels or send us an email at hello at miamichurch.com. Also, be sure to subscribe because you don't want to miss out on any future conversations. I hope our time together inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey.